This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. How's everybody? Great morning to be in church, don't you think? Absolutely, a great morning to be in church. We have, um, well, I have some fun this morning. There you go. And I'll just leave you to be curious about that, all right? You know, I was praying about this service long before we gathered here this morning, and one of the things that God said to me was that this morning would be a life-changing morning. And uh, for those of you who come to New Life regularly, you're going to say, well, that's nothing new. But for those of you who are new to church, you might think life-changing and church, how could those be in the same sentence, right? Isn't church supposed to be boring and just sort of a religious obligation? Well, at New Life, it's always a life-changing experience because we come to meet with God. And because when we meet with God, wonderful and life-changing things happen in our lives. And, and the reason is because God has the power to change our lives. And that's really what church is about. So I want to welcome you into that experience, even if you're brand new to New Life this morning. I want to welcome you into a life-changing experience, and I pray that you are uh, completely blessed. We are in the end of uh, what we call a spiritual journey. We've been working our way through the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And this morning was the last of 21 straight days of devotionals. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, that, that was wonderful, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And uh, so uh, this morning I'm going to be preaching out of the last chapter of the book of Ephesians. And in fact, I'm going to be preaching about the very thing that you read about this morning. No, that you read about yesterday morning as you were reading in your devotional out of the book of Ephesians. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ron and I'm on the pastoral staff here at New Life. And so if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I'll hang out in the lobby afterwards, and I would love to meet you uh, later on this morning as you leave. If you don't know anybody here this morning, then I want to ask you to do yourself and all of us a favor. Hang around a little bit after church and get to meet some people. I'll guarantee you in this community, as small as it is, I'll guarantee you that you're going to meet somebody that knows somebody that you know. And uh, that's just how it works. So uh, enjoy the morning, if you would, please. Now, why would I come to church with a bag of carrots, a couple dozen eggs, and some coffee? Breakfast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, That's because everyone in this room is like this, or this, or this. You see, if we were to subject each of these to boiling water for just a few minutes, it would reveal something about the nature of each. If you take carrots and you put them in boiling water, what happens? Well, they start out strong and stout and very difficult to break. They have a lot of internal strength. But if you put them in boiling water for just a few minutes, what happens to them? They get weak, they get limp, 
They're very easy to break because something on the inside of them breaks down. On the other hand, if you take eggs, prior to putting them in boiling water, they're fragile, are they not? Easily broken. But once you subject them to boiling water for a few minutes, what happens? Something inside them changes and they go from being fragile and malleable and and able to be shaped and formed and they become hard and resistive and, and, and they're no longer workable because something changes on the inside of the egg. Well, what about coffee? When you put coffee in boiling water, something not only happens inside the coffee, something happens to the water, correct? Because the coffee has the ability to actually change the water. And the boiling water releases from it fragrant aroma, beautiful flavor, and it actually becomes one of our world's favorite beverages. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because if there's anything that you know, it's that life has some heat in it, correct? Yeah. And there are times when life is just plain tough and the heat is on. In fact, I'm going to show you that out of God's Word in just a minute. But when the heat is on, some of us crumble. Something changes on the inside of us. Something breaks in there and we lose that internal strength and we become easily broken in life. In fact, many of us in this room have been broken. I'm going to tell you about a time in my life in a little bit where I was broken. And I was way too much like the carrot. For some of us, when the heat has been on in life, we say, no, it's going to break me. In fact, I'll break them. And we got hard and tough on the inside. And, and, and we ended up with a heart that, that people couldn't easily speak into. And we kind of hold everybody at arm's length because we're never going to get hurt again. And, and this heart, that God created to be wonderfully soft, not fragile, but soft and relational with other people has become distant and hard. But then some of us have become like the coffee. And when the heat has been on in life, we have from God received the strength to not only endure those circumstances, but to actually change the circumstances we live in and make them beautiful and wonderful. It's my prayer that as I talk to you this morning that we can all learn how to be like this, less like this, and less like that. Would you join with me as I pray? Father in heaven, would you make us much more like the coffee, able to change the very circumstances in which we live, releasing from those circumstances and into those circumstances a wonderful fragrance in this life, a wonderful aroma, a wonderful flavor, that when we leave this world, we might leave it more flavorful, more beautiful, and and a greater blessing than when we arrived. Lord, would you teach us out of your word wonderful truths? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to take your program. On the inside of the program, you'll find a sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. I want to encourage you to take a pencil and uh, fill in the blanks as we go along. It'll be a great learning experience for you and it'll give you something to refer back to later on this week.
Now, the title of, our, of the entire sermon series is Blessed. And I certainly hope as you've worked your way through the devotional that you have been impressed over and over and over again with how blessed you are. In fact, way back in week number one, I taught you something, and I want you to repeat it again today. And, and I want you to say it out loud. And here's what I want you to say. I am a blessed person. Would you say that? I am a blessed person. In spite of anything that's going on in your life, you are a blessed person. And this entire book in the Bible is about the blessings that you have received. I want you up in your notes somewhere to connect these two words. Just write them down, put a circle around them. And the first is precious. And the second is protection. Do you realize that everything in your world that you hold precious, you have to protect? I noticed that no one drove up this morning in a sheet metal car. Why? Because you pay a lot of money for your car, you want to protect it. So what do you put on the metal of your car to protect it? You put on paint, correct? Because you want to protect that because that's a precious thing to you. But you know, paint isn't enough because on top of the paint, what else do you put? Well, yes, you put wax, but you wash your car, right? Because you don't want the dirt to get in the paint. But then that's not even enough. So you not only paint your car and wash your car, you wax your car. Or you should. (laughs) Or if you're like me, you pay someone else to wax your car, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Because everything, you think about it. What's the most precious thing you have in this life? It's your family, right? So when you get in the car, what do you do? Buckle up. And if you have a small child, where do you put them? In a car seat. Child, in a child safety seat. Because everything that's precious to you, you have to protect or you lose it. And in some ways, I can tell what's most precious to you by what you protect the most. Now here's what Jesus said. He said, in the profit and loss columns of life, what has a person gained or profited if they were somehow to gain the whole world and lose their own soul? Wow. Jesus said, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, in the end, that was a bad investment. No matter how great your life is on this earth, it's only a few years long. And it's very short compared to eternity. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the comparison of what you do to protect the physical things that you owned in comparison to what you're doing to protect the soul that resides on the inside of you. Because in the end, it's more important than all the other things. So we're going to talk about being blessed with a new protection this morning. And so let's get right into the teaching from God's Word. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 6 reads, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I'm not even going to preach on this, but I want you to draw a circle around strong, and then I want you to draw another circle around His mighty power, and I want you to connect them. Because in this life, if you're going to be strong, you're going to have to rely on God's mighty power because eventually you're going to run into something that's bigger than you are. And if you're only relying on your own power, 
you're going to break. Okay? He goes on to say, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And I know, even as I read that to you, some of you are going, oh, that's scary already. That's like a horror movie, correct? And I know that, that some of us have backgrounds where church is sort of a hell, fire, and brimstone thing, and it was the job of the pastor to get everybody shaking in their boots before they left. I want to tell you that that's, that's not where I'm going to take this this morning, but I also don't want to shield you from that truth. I want you to know that truth. We're going to talk to you about how to deal with that truth. Going on, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, for the sake of time this morning, I've got four things I want to teach you out of that. There's a ton of stuff in there, but there are four things that are very important for you and I to know if we are going to have the proper protection in this life. And the first is this, the heat is on. You can see it in that verse. In fact, God doesn't mince words with us. Here's what Peter, another apostle, wrote to the Christians of his day. He said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. And then he gives us a word picture. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm always amazed when I read the statistics of our nation, and I'm always amazed that about twice as many people in our country believe in Jesus uh, as those who believe in the devil. Now, it can't be a sight thing because they haven't seen Jesus either. But we just find it more fun to believe in something that's positive. And sometimes when the pastor gets up and talks about the fact that we have a real enemy in this life and his name is Satan and he is the devil, that somehow the pastor is being mean. Now, friend, if you were to go on an African safari and you get in the Jeep and you're headed out into the Serengeti and the guide stops and says, now listen, we are coming into Lion territory. This is very dangerous territory. I want everyone to stay in the Jeep. And, and he started giving you some instructions. Would you go, man, you're mean. You just want to take away my fun. Why don't you get a good attitude? No, you, you would recognize that the reason the guide is saying that to you is because the guide is actually on your side. For the guide to take you into a place where there is real danger and not to warn you about that danger would be cruel and unkind. Am I right? Yeah. 
Well, you know where I'm going with this, right? For God and or any pastor to preach to people about the realities of life and not to warn you about those realities is cruel and unkind. You say, but pastor, no one can see the devil. Do you realize the most dangerous things that oppose you in this life you cannot see? How many of you have ever seen bacteria? I've never seen bacteria. But if I didn't warn you about bacteria, if I was a healthcare professional, would I be doing my job? No, because it does exist, even though you can't see it with your eye. Viruses you can't see with your eye. Have you ever seen hatred with your eye? No, you've probably seen hatred in action, just like you've seen bacteria in action or viruses in action, but you can't see it with your eye. The, the most powerful enemies that come against you, you cannot actually see. Where do you think they come from? They don't come from God. God's very clear. The heat is on. And in love and in graciousness and in kindness to you, I want you to know this morning that if you go through life and you ignore the fact that the devil is against you, you might as well go to Iraq and dance through a minefield. Because you're ignoring what is eminently dangerous to you. So the first thing that God says is you need to understand that though you live in this beautiful world, that going on around you in places that you cannot see and in dimensions you cannot see with your eye, there is a very spiritual battle. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the battle and you'll get destroyed. And friends, you don't have to look far in our world to see people who have completely been destroyed in life. Okay? One of the reasons that we come to church is to help us live in such a way we don't get destroyed by the realities of life. So there's principle number one. The heat is on. Now it comes from three sources. And here they are. Number one, it comes from our own corrupt nature. I don't like that. I don't like my corrupt nature either, but I got it. My parents never had to give me sin lessons, so I know how to do that. Okay, I got that nature all, it was just natural. I have a good nature too, but I have a bad nature, and they war against each other on the inside of me. We all have that. So we all have this corrupt nature, and it turns the heat on inside of us. Do you realize that sin is enticing? There's something on the inside of you and on the inside of me that makes the forbidden and the rebellious and the wild, it makes it appealing to us. Correct? Yeah. Even the destructive, it makes it appealing to us. Secondly, the heat is on because we're around other people who have that same nature. What do they call that? Peer pressure. Correct? Yeah. And there's often times when the peer pressure is far more toward the negative end of life than it is toward the positive end of life. It works both ways. But we are around people all the time. And by the way, when you turn on your television, many of the images and many of the messages you get from television, do they have sort of a corrupt nature about them? Yeah. We're, we are bombarded with thousands of, of stimuli every day that would take us down the wrong path. For us to go through this life and be oblivious to that is, is spiritual suicide. And then number three, we have a very real unseen enemy. 
And that's what I've been talking to you about. And he orchestrates all that stuff behind the scenes. So that's point number one. Point number two is this. The great news is that God enables us to thrive, not just survive. Isn't that good? I want you to read that out loud with me, would you? Let's read together. Ready? God enables us to thrive and not just survive. Yeah. In fact, reading out of the message, here's how the the author of the message um, translates this passage. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will be where? Still on your feet. Friends, I want you to know that that the, the word picture here is the picture of war, but what God says to us is, I don't want you to hunker down and bunker down and wait to be rescued At the end, we're not in a bunker somewhere waiting for God to rescue us. Where are we? We're standing on our feet. That's the deal. We're standing on our feet in triumph. Because at the end of the battle, the only people standing on their feet are whom? Those who are victorious. And I want you to know that in your life. That no matter what God no matter what happens in your life, no matter what comes against you in your life, that if you walk with God, He will give you the ability not just to survive and to hang on, but to actually stand and be victorious. And if we had time this morning, person after person could come up here and say, this is what my life used to be. These are the battles that were raging in my life. This was the destructive lifestyle I was living in. This is the terrible cost that it cost me in my life. But you know something? This is where I am today, and this is what God is doing in my life. And what a difference between that and this. There I was losing the battle, and today I'm standing victorious. That's the power of God. I started out by saying to you, God has the power to what? change your life. He's changed mine. I'm going to tell you about that in just a minute. So that's point number two. God enables us to thrive and not just survive. Point number three is this. The equipment is the key. The equipment is the key. A few, well, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, there was a big stir in the golf world, okay? Because its two most popular figures, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, well, Phil had made a statement about Tiger because about three or four years ago, Tiger was struggling with his game, as he is right now. He was struggling with his game, and Phil Mickelson made a comment to the press that one of the reasons that Tiger was struggling is he was playing with inferior equipment, which caused no small stir, especially for Nike, because that's who Tiger was playing. He was playing their equipment. But you know what the inference is? No matter who you are, no matter how good you are, if your equipment is inferior, it's going to be a struggle, correct? Correct. Some of you watched the movie Tin Cup. You remember the movie Tin Cup? There's a scene in there where Kevin Costner is forced to play golf with a baseball bat, remember? And a pool cue and I think maybe even a shovel or something in there. 
Now, it makes for great movie footage, but in real life, that's no fun. Okay? Because if your equipment is inferior, you're just not going to do well. Now, I want you to know that the equipment talked about in this passage is always talked about in the terms of God's armor. So we're not talking about inferior equipment. We're talking about superior equipment. And I just want to walk down through it with all of us briefly. And we're going to start at the top and and go straight on down. So starting with the head. And the Bible talks about the fact that the helmet represents salvation and, and your mind or what you think with or what you make your choices with in life and how you determine your perspective in life. Your mind is extremely important. In fact, the Bible says whatever, however you think is exactly what you become. It, 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 it determines who you become in life. And you know what God says right up front? You need to make sure you take care of the most important things first and the most important thing in your world is salvation. I already told you, if you go through this life and you gain everything in this world, but you lose your own soul, bad deal, correct? There's nothing more important in this life than making sure that your eternity is secure. And that's what salvation is all about. And then going on down a little bit, the body armor, or the older translations call it a chest plate, okay? And it's a chest plate of righteousness. And I think it's not, it's, it, it's not uh, by coincidence that the chest plate protects what's the most important part in your chest cavity. Probably your heart, right? Which is the seat of your emotions and, and what you feel. And it's very... And by the way, do you ever make decisions with your heart, not your head? Shake your head like this. Yeah, we all do, okay? So the second most important part of your, of your spiritual anatomy is your heart. And, and, and there's only one thing that's actually going to protect your heart because it's impossible for you to live wrong and have a good heart. It just doesn't go together. You can't, you can't live wrong and feel right. I got a phone call just this week from a fellow pastor five years ago. He had a sexual encounter with someone in his congregation. And it finally just ate him up. And he said, I couldn't take it any longer. I went, I sat down with the leaders of my church. I confessed my sin. I typed up my letter of resignation. I sold my house. I moved my family. He has four children under the age of 12. You know... He didn't protect his heart. He didn't live righteously. And finally he said, I couldn't live with myself any longer. I'm praying for him. And I know that in the end, God's going to put together the pieces of his life. But boy, is that a tough trail? That's a tough trail. Because he got up and he didn't put on every piece. He put on part of them. Okay? The next thing, the belt of truth. You know why truth is so important? Because truth is the basis by which you determine right from wrong. And if you believe something not to be true that is true, you will believe something is good that isn't good. You know, one of the greatest challenges in this life is to be able to determine the difference between what is good and what only seems to be good. True? Yeah. And God says, if you put on the belt of truth, and by the way, what is truth? The Bible's very clear about that, God's Word. So if you want to know the standard for determining what's right and wrong, you go to God's Word, you read, and you don't argue with it. You go, okay, God knows more than I do. I believe that. 
He put that belt of truth on. And then he talks about, he talks about the, the shoes of, of peace. The shoes of peace, that's that unshakable foundation. Have you ever noticed this? When you get a rock in your shoe, even the simplest things are not easy to do anymore. It's not real hard to walk, is it? Unless you have a rock in your shoe, that's hard to walk. It's not real hard to stand for most of us, but you get a rock in your shoe, is it hard to stand? Yeah. Yeah, even the simplest things become very, very difficult when your foundation is not what it needs to be. And you know something? When you got your eternity taken care of, you got your heart protected by righteousness. You got the truth of God in your life. Then you can live at peace. And man, when you're at peace on the inside, there's a strength that comes that you don't get when you're not at peace on the inside. And then he says, I want you to take up the shield of faith. You know what that is? Well, you've got to believe what God says, even when it doesn't seem right to you. Because I can tell you, whenever you get tempted, the, the, the easiest thing in the world is to believe that God's holding out on you. And that even though God says this is not a good thing, to you it looks good. Right? Way, 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 way back to the very first sin, when the devil came to Eve and said, would you like an apple? Okay, it wasn't an apple. All right? I know that. Eve looked at the fruit that God said, you don't want to eat that. That's bad stuff. And what did Eve decide? That God didn't know what he was talking about. Right? Now, Satan had fired at her a fiery dart that literally could set her life aflame with trouble. And she had the opportunity to raise the shield of faith and say, no, God says that's no good. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to take him at his word. You can keep your apple. But instead... She put down the shield, she took the arrow, and her life was never the same. Now, it's temptation disarmed. In fact, every time the devil came to Jesus with a temptation, do you remember what he did? Jesus actually quoted a scripture. That was his shield of faith. And last of all, the sword of the Spirit. And that's territory conquered. You know, again, we've already said God wants us to be able not just to thrive, to, to survive, but to thrive. And, and the way that we conquer new territory, I'll tell you, back in the first century, if you were going to go to war, you did not conquer territory by beating people over the head with your shield. It's not how that worked. You didn't take off your helmet and throw it at them. The only way you took new territory was how? With a sword. And when you want God to take new territory in your life, you'll never take that territory unless you get into God's Word and you read from the Bible and you allow Him to instruct you. So there you go. Now, quickly as we close, I want to give you truth number four, and then I want to tell you a story. Truth number four is prayer is how we put it on. You know, I wrote a very short note in my notes, and it says this. You can have the best equipment in the world, but if it's not on, it's no good. Correct? Yeah. Prayer is how you put it on. Let me tell you how this story came to pass in my life just three weeks ago. The last six months, for a variety of reasons, have been very, very difficult months for me. Worked too many hours, under too much stress, for too many months. And so, toward the end of June, I found myself pretty much no good to my wife, no good to the fellow staff members, not really able to bless anyone 
I, I had nothing left in the tank. I went to see a medical doctor, and the medical doctor gave me a short test. And she said, sir, you are severely depressed. Now, by God's grace, I think there were, I don't know, 15 or 16 questions that I had to answer. And all of them were on the wrong side of the ledger, except for one. And that was, have you ever thought about harming yourself? No, not doing that. Okay? So I was not in very good shape. So during the month of July... I took a, a modified sabbatical from the church. I preached here on weekends, and I led my life group on Tuesday nights. But other than that, I did not work for the church. I rested, recuperated, and prayed that God would begin to heal me on the inside. Those of you closest to me, probably you knew that already. The rest of you did not know that. Those were dark and lonely times for me. And that's not very long ago. That was just July, and this is August, Right? So uh, at the end of July, in fact, August the 2nd, I came back to work, and I was still a mess. And I was pretty scared. I was thinking, you know, God, maybe I'm broken, so broken, I'll never be right. So after a sleepless Tuesday night, tough day on Wednesday, sleepless Wednesday night, I finally got out of bed about 5 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning, August the 5th. I sat down at the dining room table in our house. My wife was still in Southern California with her parents. I was all alone. And I started reading from God's Word. And I want to take you to the passage that God took me to, and I want to explain how this worked in my life. Here it is. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. I want you to circle divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And a stronghold is just what it sounds like. It's a place that the enemy has dug in their feet and they're hard to get out. It goes on to say, We demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And then here's what God really spoke to me about. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God said to me, Ron, you know that voice on the inside of you that's condemning, it's, it's negative, it's awful, it's debilitating, that makes you feel every day like you just want to throw up and it's hard to go on. You know that voice? Here's what God said to me. That doesn't come from me. I didn't give that to you. The guilt that you feel, I'm not making you feel guilty. You're you're getting those thoughts. Guess where I was getting them from? The devil. Absolutely. And God said, you know what's worse? You're giving space to it in your life. That's like being on an African safari and inviting the lion in the Jeep. That's a bad deal. Got it? Bad deal. And then he took me to this. We take every captive, every thought, make it obedient to Christ. I prayed that prayer. I said, God, would you give me the ability to take every thought that I have and make it a thought that comes from you? God says, I will. I'll take you to another passage. Guess where he took me? The very passage we read this morning, Ephesians chapter 6. And God says, the problem is, you're in the battle, but you're naked. You got no armor. That's a tough place to be, isn't it? Yeah. 
So I took the time and I began to pray through the helmet and the breastplate. And I began to, the body armor and the belt of truth and the, and, and the peace of the gospel and, and, and picking up the shield and picking up the sword. It took me about 10 to 20 minutes to pray through that. Honest truth. Honest truth. At the end of that time, I've never been the same. God literally stepped into my life and healed me. I came to church the following Sunday and people that knew me well said, you're back. I've been here every Sunday. But the person that God created me to be was back. I want to close by saying God doesn't love me anymore than He loves you. And the same God who would come and answer my prayer and help me put on that protection will do the same for you. And that's my prayer this morning. For some of us in this room, there are areas of our life that are not protected. Unfortunately, some of us in this room probably even have some secret sins that we're guarding. And that part of our life certainly is not under the protection of God. For some of us, we've allowed Satan to get a stronghold in our life. And so the thoughts that we're having are not from God. And it's time to bring, to put on the protection of God and to experience His healing and His deliverance. And for some of us, can I tell you this? You saw people this morning who were baptized and they were in a public way declaring to us and to God a decision that they had made in their lives that they were going to follow Christ for the rest of their lives. Can I tell you, until you make that decision, you don't get the armor. It's not issued. Understand? And so I want to pray, and you do your business with God. Father, this morning, thank you for speaking into our lives about such a very important subject. And Lord, thank you for speaking into our lives in such a very positive way that though we have real enemies, we have wonderful protection. It's your armor, and because it's your armor, if we put it on, it's foolproof. It is all the protection we need. So Lord, across the audience this morning, Would you speak to us about areas of our lives that are unprotected? Would you help us to bring them under your protection? And Lord, if there's areas of our lives that we need to get rid of, and we need, because it's like inviting the lion into the Jeep, Lord, would you speak to us about that so that we could live righteously, so that we could experience fullness of life? And Lord, for those who are making the decision this morning to follow you. Father, we thank you that you've given that privilege to all of us and that that protection is available to us. We choose you, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.